nice save there by Demko. Now a lead pass, and here's Pearson on a breakaway. Scores! Tanner Pearson with his first as a Canuck. And the game's All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Best Coast Express NHL podcast. Billy Brobin alongside Tyler Jones, and we have a special guest today for the first segment here talking about the trade deadline, Derek Kirchner. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Bailey. Um, so today we're going to jump right into it. We got uh, three trades each, Tyler, that we're going to quickly look over, talk about uh, some steals of the deadline, some bad trades, and some uh, some fair deals. So I think uh, first trade I wanted to go over is the Tanner Pearson for Erica Branson, one-for-one deal. Praise the Lord. Pittsburgh acquiring defenseman Erica Branson, the elite D-man that he is for <laughs> Tanner Pearson. Um, yeah, I love this trade for the Canucks giving up, uh, you know, that good Branson deal, two more years left at $4 million per. Probably the worst defenseman in the NHL, honestly. Minus 27 so far this season. Um, just a brutal plus minus, and I, I think a brutal defenseman. And getting back a pretty decent middle six forward in Tanner Pearson. Nope, not bad. And I mean, like, <laughs> minus 27, that's where good Branson's standing right now? Yeah. Yeah, he's probably responsible for, like, 26 of those. So, I mean, that guy is absolute garbage. His only value to the Canucks was that he was good looking and brought a couple girls into the stands. Yeah, probably. Pretty disappointing. Yeah. Now now they don't have that. I don't know. I don't know how good looking Pearson is, but I don't see much man rocket potential there. Um, basically, we won that deal. Maybe not on the uh, women front, but honestly, man, like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what Pittsburgh is thinking. Like. Maybe it's a cap. Actually, wait, no, it can't be a cap dump they, since yeah. they're paying more for Good Branson now. 250k more per season over the next two years, and I like Pearson too. And you know, you can make the case that the Canucks are loading up on middle six and bottom six forwards, but it's a great buy low, buy low choice by Jim Benning getting Pearson 40 points in the last two years with LA, and um, you know, I think I think he's a great player for, like I said, buying low 26 still. So you know, there's some. Uh, some possible room to grow there and, you know, put him with Bo Horvat or Elias Pettersson, who knows what's possible. So I like that trade. Tyler, what, what trade did you, uh, did you like? Uh, one more note on that. Looking at pictures of Tanner Pearson right now. And yeah, our looks just went down a lot. So <laughs> I, I like him. I think he's got some good facial hair. He's got the, yeah, it's, it's something. Anyways, um, my favorite trade, I think my biggest steal of the trade deadline so far was the Buffalo and Anaheim deal. That being Brendan Montour going to Buffalo in exchange for Brendan Gould and a first-round pick. So that'll be a 2019 first-round pick this upcoming draft. Yeah, honestly, I'm a big I'm a big uh, fan of Brendan Montour. They get three years older, Buffalo. Uh, but honestly, guys in that 24-year-old wheelhouse, it's pretty nice, and you know they're. It's not exactly the biggest win-now formula. Sure, I think it would be great for the organization to go to the playoffs uh, this year, but that might not be the case. Um, however, if they don't, they still have Montour for a couple more years. Brendan Gould, he's not much of a wild card. I think we, we, can, we can't like exactly bet on him being an, a very effective NHL player, but I think he's got some good top-four potential. One day, first-round pick. Yeah, I think I think it's a good, pretty good move for both teams. But at the end of the day, I just like that move for the way Buffalo is progressing right now. Kurt, what do you think? Well, I actually played with Brandon Gooley um, huh. growing up, and yeah, he he's a like significantly better hockey player than I was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> great guy, and I think it's a I think it's a win for Anaheim and Buffalo. I think yeah. both teams um, are like Anaheim is 
getting rid of some salary, um, kind of like kind of maybe kickstarting that rebuild that they're going to have to go into here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I think Buffalo, as you've already said, is is gaining some. Uh, yeah, they're getting a little bit older, but I also think uh, a little bit of aging experience with defensemen is not good. And I think Montour could be a serviceable defenseman for uh, many years to come. Um, so yeah, I think it's a win for both teams. Uh, good decision. Yeah, I mean, um, Gould hasn't really gotten a good chance in the NHL yet. Uh, he's played five games so far, <laughs> minus two, no points. Um, so I'm interested to see how that pans out. Uh, but either way, if they get that, f- they got a first round pick too. So mm-hmm. yeah, I I do I do like this trade a lot um, for Anaheim as well. Um, kind of sucks the way that this season's gone for them, but hey, it might as well start looking towards the future. They're doing exactly what uh, we were talking about in, I think, last last episode, Bailey. So um, next, I think we can go to um, win-win trades. Yeah, Another, win-win. Some more win-win trades. Uh, so I'll start with mine. Uh, my Actually, I think this was my favorite trade of the entire deadline. Um, the Michael Granlund for Fiala trade, that was straight up. Uh, Michael Granlund going from Minnesota over to Nashville, and Fiala going straight to Minnesota. Um, I really like this deal because it just, again, it fits in well with what Nashville's trying to do. I think they just added, a, I think, in my opinion, a very notable uh, player. He's had a He's had a great year over in Minnesota. He's got... 49 points in 63 games. And last season, he had 67 in 77. So, Granlund has proved that he can play at uh, the top level. He's got a career high, uh, 69 points in 2016, 2017. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, yeah, so, yeah. And then, meanwhile, other way, we got Fiala. Fiala's a decent player. They get five years younger, Minnesota. And... Yeah, Minnesota's, I think, in just such an awkward place, so why not get younger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Minnesota's GM actually recently re- released a video um, kind of talking to the fans mm-hmm. about um, what their current plan is, and they're not entering into a full rebuild, no. but they're kind of, uh, let's get younger on the fly, trying to really emulate what the, what the Detroit Red Wings did throughout the exactly. throughout the early 2000s, late 90s, is, is be successful and be a constant playoff presence for many years. And I think that's becoming more and more difficult to do. Mm-hmm. But I think Minnesota, that, that's their attempt. And I, I like Fiala as a player. I think it's a it's a good move for them to get younger. Um, Granlin also provides more scoring up front for Nashville than Fiala did, which is a big benefit. And Yeah, yeah. I like what, what you're saying about that kind of like rebuild on the fly thing. That's not easy to do, and that's no. the reason that we never see that anymore. So I'm really interested to see what's going to shake up in Minnesota. I think Minnesota, uh, over the last Minnesota and Dallas for me are kind of two of those teams in this like weird limbo. Like they have that superstar power. You got your Ryan suitors. You had your Michael Granlin ship him out five years younger. Boom. Good winger. And then, yeah, I like the trade too. They made another swap of uh, players, Charlie Coyle for Ryan Donato. And mm-hmm. that's turned out well, at least early returns, four points in three games for Donato. Yeah, so he's been good. Um, getting a lot younger there in Minnesota and doing a good job at just kind of swapping players left, right, and center. Yeah, I think for Donato, that just was a need mm-hmm. of change change of scenery a little bit. He was kind of overshadowed a little bit. They gave him a top six role at times, but it's hard to bounce around. Plus, I just, he didn't find the chemistry there. Um, yeah, buried, but, buried in the lineup there in Boston. Yeah, but I think 
uh, when I saw that deal originally happen, I was looking at it, I'm like, I think in four or five years, we could be saying that was one of the biggest steals of uh, this trade deadline. So that's got a big, that's a big mystery box um, that I'm excited to open one day. So yeah, yeah. my win-win deal uh, goes to the Senators and the Golden Knights swapping mm-hmm. uh, some players around Mark Stone going to Vegas along with Tobias Lindbergh. And the Senators, I think, did really well in this trade. We knew Mark Stone was going to be uh, moved. There was no doubt about that. He wasn't really interested in signing an extension in Ottawa. Gets shipped to Vegas, and Ottawa gets back Eric Brandstrom along with a, a second-round pick in 2020 and Oscar Lindbergh. And Brandstrom, obviously, the key to these, this deal. Big time. Um, big defenseman, uh, a prospect there. Uh, he was, I think you could argue, maybe the Golden Knights' best prospect, at least behind Cody, Cody Glass. Glass. And uh, TSN ranked Brandstrom the second-best deep prospect this season behind Quinn Hughes. Um, and yeah, just lighting up the AHL so far this season, uh, and a great, yeah, just a great asset to get back for, you know, an expiring contract in Mark Stone. I think the microscope was obviously on Ottawa and, and on GM Pierre Dorian to, to get as much as he could back. And I think, um, in this deal, he definitely did. There's no doubt about that. Getting a, you know, blue chip prospect in Brandstrom, um, you know, along with a second round pick, which, which is a nice little coup as well, but, um, Brandstrom really the second best defensive prospect in the game. I think that's uh, something you can't really complain about. But, but yeah, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know much about Lindbergh. Do you got any any idea on Oscar what type Lindbergh? Of, yeah, I know that I took him on my hockey pool because he was projected to do really well. Hasn't done as well as the hockey pool projected, <laughs> but he's he's a guy that has a lot of offensive upside, and he okay. he could be a top six NHL forward at some point. Okay, career. yeah, cool. How old is he right now? He's he, young twenties. He's twenty seven, so he's kind of oh, in that okay. point where. He's got to start doing something. He scored a goal uh, in one of his first games there in Ottawa, but I think really you're at, you're looking at him being a being a bottom six forward. Yep. But on the Ottawa Senators, that's a top six forward. So yeah. okay, um, but more of a, I think more of a salary dump there. But again, something I failed to mention, Vegas too. I think it makes sense. A lot of their players are kind of in that 26, 27 year window now, and yeah. you know you're, you're kind you're, of in a win now. I don't really know. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I, I guess they're in a win now. The same thing is. Like Vegas is like every team wants to build like sustainable winning. Yeah, I think Vegas is in a win now, but they also want to prolong that period as long as possible. I think one thing, a bit of a question mark for me on this deal, and I was surprised they traded Brandstrom, but their first uh, NHL draft two years ago, or closing on two years ago now, they picked Cody Glass first. Yep. And they had two other selections in that draft, Brandstrom being one and Ryan Suzuki being another. And within a span of six months, they've traded <laughs> they've Suzuki and Brandstrom uh, for Pacioretty and Stone and. I don't think necessarily anyone's, uh, you know, calling for uh, George McPhee's head for those deals. But at the same time, you know, you're, you're giving away two very good prospects for kind of win-now players. So it'll be interesting to see a few years down the road if uh, they start regretting these deals. But uh, definitely getting a, a really good underrated player in Mark Stone. Oh, he's so good, man. And defensively as well. I'm pretty sure he's leading. He's definitely leading forwards in takeaways right now, which is actually like underrated that's such a good stat to have right there for a guy who can also chip in and score like at least 70 points a year like man uh, i i really like that deal for for vegas I, i'm a big mark stone guy so i find it interesting bailey that you you mentioned kind of like the potential of vegas regrets these moves which like yeah if branson turns into uh like a Eric Lindstrom type or Nicholas Lindstrom type uh, <laughs> defenseman, like yeah, you might regret that. But I also think that like Vegas, they did make the the, the finals last year. Yeah. yeah. And 
Like, why shouldn't they be in a win-now stage? Like, exactly. they, the West is, is, yeah, it's competitive, but I think they still see, like, they've, they've gotten better since last year, and they have, they see a chance to win now and bring a Stanley Cup to Vegas. So, I think it's worth them sacrificing some of those prospects for Pacioretty and Stone. I, like, I think it's like, you know what, there is no guarantee these guys turn out. You're getting bonafide players right now. I'm a fan of what George McPhee is doing. I think True. it's like yeah. he's he's kind of realized they maybe have a little bit more than they think, and their plan has probably changed from let's do a huge like draft pick hoard just build for the future when they realize that they can actually build a competitive team as we speak. So yeah, and as you mentioned, they're kind of they're they're in that win now win you know in the near future kind of mode, and so Mark Stone definitely fits that, and he's only 26, so and and they got an extension along with the in, with the trade, um, so. Makes sense there. One thing, though, George McPhee has traded away uh, very good prospects in the past for win-now players. Uh, five or six years ago, he traded um, for Martin Erat from the Predators and gave away Philip Forsberg, obviously a mm. uh, you know highly uh, touted prospect at the time and turned out to be a pretty good NHL player. Um, so definitely one to watch. He's, he's got a bit of a track record at being very aggressive in uh, uh, at the trade deadline, so we'll see how that turns out for... George McPhee and the Golden Knights. But, uh, Tyler, what was your win-win trade at the deadline here? Uh, that was the Michael Granlund-Kevin Fiala one. Oh, uh, yeah. The, yeah, of course. Um, one trade I wanted to mention was uh, the Rangers trading Matt Zuccarello to Dallas for a, a second-round pick and a conditional third-round pick. Uh, I believe that's if he re-signs that conditions there. Uh, I thought it was actually a bad deal for both sides. I think the Rangers are obviously... Uh, rebuilding or retooling at least so you know you wanted to trade Zuccarello expiring deal um, but I, I a really good player Zuccarello's got five straight 50 point seasons and uh, you know I, th- I think he brings a lot to a team and in only getting a second and you know possibly a third I thought didn't seem like much given the market uh, was set you know with Dezingle getting two second round picks um, I, I do think Zuccarello is a better player than Dezingle and um, and that said too with Dallas um, you know Maybe maybe a second and a conditional third isn't a whole lot, but um, I just think you know that's a player that you're you're probably not going to re-sign come July first, and if you do, um, I think that's a terrible signing given his age. So um, I, I I really didn't like that trade for both sides. I think da- uh, Dallas would have been better going off uh, for Dezingle given that he's younger, and if you do re-sign him, um, there's a bit more upside there. And uh, but yeah, what what did you guys think of that trade? Matt Zuccarello for a second and conditional third. You know, I would I would typically agree with you when I when I originally saw the trade, I thought, mm, like Zuccarello or Dezingle, like like that seems like a little bit weird, like like the Dezingle's going for that much more. But I, you also don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Like we don't know for sure, but Dezingle might already have a verbal that he's going to resign, and maybe that's why Columbus yeah. felt comfortable giving up a little bit more for him. Yeah. Um, I love Zuccarello as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, like. You, you see how Henrik Lundqvist reacted. You see how yeah. some of his teammates reacted when losing him. And Zuccarello is a player that, yeah, he's getting older, but I would still want Zuccarello on my team. I think that more, like, kind of what you mentioned, Tyler, is, like, Dallas is in a weird spot for me. Such a weird spot. Where I'm like, okay, like, you're battling for a wild card, but you're also, like, in a win now, like, as in, like, let's just get to playoffs type mode. So I find it, like, I think Dallas is almost a little bit hamstrung, like, I get where New York's coming from. I think they could have shopped him a little bit better, but I think that at the same time, the fact that they were able to move him at all and they got some return, like I'm not, I'm not hating on New York for it. I just think that both teams are maybe in a little bit difficult situation, so you're not going to get that perfect win-win formula. 
Yeah, they also got, like, their Miro Heiskanen's floating around and stuff like that. Like, it's... Dallas is a... It's an interesting case, and I'm I'm interested to see what happens. Because mm-hmm. uh, I just feel like... It's like year by year, their their scheme almost changes a little, you know? It's like, oh, like, boys are playing well this season. Let's start, like, buying. And it's like, last season, they're like, huh, like, we kind of got to sell a little bit right now, you know? So... Yeah, I mean, you look at Dallas's roster. Like, I, I think, like, you know what? This this should be a playoff competitive team. Like, they have Ben Bishop and Net, decent goalie. They have they have Klingberg on the point. Yep. That isn't like that's a top Heiskinen ten too. NHL defenseman. Heiskinen's great prospect. And yep. then I see, like after after Radulov, Ben, and and Sagan, I see the offensive depth drops down. And I also Nothing. don't know if Ben or Sagan are the type of guys who can lead a team like I don't see it in either of those guys the the Sidney Crosby mentality where you're gonna like will your team to another level I think one of the hardest things that that Dallas ever did was the huge massive re-signing of Ben because it really hamstrung and, and committed them to that kind of era right now and didn't really give them necessarily the option to do a full rebuild because no one's taking Ben's contract off your hands right yeah, now. yeah exactly and uh, just another big thing too it's like you look at that forward depth Look around the league at teams that, like, you look at their superstar players. Prime example of this, in my opinion, is, like, a Colorado. Mm-hmm. Man, that Rocky Mountain line, first, like, two months of the year, just tearing up the NHL. But then you look after them. Who's who's providing you with your offense, man? Like, Tyson yeah. Yost? No. He's no one. Like, you have no... You have no... Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Like you have you have no no forward depth after that. So that's I think, a, I think that happens to a lot of teams. Like it's not it's not a like Dallas, Colorado, Edmonton. Like there's a lot of teams that they have the superstar players, but if you're in if you're unable to surround your superstars with capable secondary scoring and support scoring, you're not going to be long-term successful. But that, that's where I think too on the on the Dallas end of things here, like is it make you know acquiring a you know offensive player makes sense. But it, it, I think it makes more sense to get a Dezingle than who's five years younger than Zuccarello, who's more of a goal scorer. He's got 22 goals on this on the year already, um, 46 points. And, you know, this is a guy that you, then you can re-sign, justify trading the two second-rounders for, and, uh, and and get a bit younger there. But Zuccarello, just, it just doesn't seem like a great fit. But like you said, Kirch, you don't always get that perfect fit at the deadline. Uh, you kind of got to figure it out um, and go from there. But uh, any other trades that either of you guys... Uh, Saw that you you liked or disliked or wanted to comment on. Um, yeah, I just want to quickly talk about kind of almost going off of that forward depth idea is one team that I think took that a little bit too seriously in my opinion was the uh, Nashville Predators. Uh, I did like the Grandland trade. However, what were they thinking <laughs> with the Brian Boyle acquisition <laughs> and the Wayne Simmons acquisition. Okay, I think Wayne Simmons has some justification because um, he's a pretty proven player. Like, sure, he's had this is his second kind of off year in a row. Um, but Wayne Simmons is thirty years old. Brian Boyle does not belong in the ice. He belongs in a museum. And Brian Boyle is in the final season of a two-year, $5.1 million contract that he signed. I, You're paying $5.1 million for a guy who I think, what is it, 19? Yeah, 19 points in 47 games. 
You know what? I I, I look at what Nashville's doing, and I, I, I kind of focus in more on the Simmons trade, where Simmons is coming in. He's bringing leadership. He's bringing yep. experience. He is going to improve their power play. Nashville's said defensively they need more scoring. Um, I'm, like, seeing them move Hartman is a pretty big sign that you're in a win-now mode. Hartman's yep. 24. He is, like... He is a guy who maybe hasn't reached his full NHL potential yet and could provide solid secondary scoring for years to come. 40-point guy. 40-point guy. Yeah. And I think that them acquiring Simmons um, and also then going out and paying for Boyle, who you don't see a lot of value in, um, they – those are – it's a win-now mentality. It's like let's bring in forward depth. Let's bring in, like, an experienced guy who can help our power play. Like, what is the – like they're they are in a win now mode and they're willing to sacrifice some future for that, which I like I see the point. I also think it's a little risky because uh if I was a GM I'd be aiming to create the longevity that you see in kind of dynasties like Pittsburgh's had over the last kind of five, six years that Detroit had that teams yeah, basically that gives you a chance to go to the playoffs and win a Stanley Cup in a large time period. Um Going off that, like the the idea of bringing in depth, like I think about the the like lowly known Pittsburgh acquiring Chris Weidman, like talk about a defenseman who like maybe shouldn't be in the NHL, like yeah. acquiring Gabranson and then also Chris Weidman. I'm like, like Pittsburgh is realizing that they are at the end. Like Pittsburgh's done a great job of extending their kind of chances to win, but they're realizing that they, they are getting older. Yeah. And that they're the, the, the Sidney Crosby of Angie Malkin era is is slowly coming to an end, and they're realizing that they're going to bring in that depth on defense to to help out with the Chris Letang injury. Yeah. That if you do need Weidman to step in in a bottom six role, that he can do that in a pinch. So I mean, I I support Pittsburgh doing it because I think I see them at nearing the end of their era. For Nashville, I think that you maybe would have wanted to consider building a little more long-term, but at the same time, it's hard to critique a team that sees an opening and wants to win now. And even short-term, if I'm a Predators fan, I'm a little disappointed because you look at teams around them right now in that Western Conference bubble, San Jose getting Gustav Nyquist, Winnipeg getting Kevin Hayes, Vegas getting Mark Stone. Um, you know, teams, <laughs> teams really bulking up getting good players. Getting good players. And they got yeah. Brian Boyle and, yeah. and Wayne Simmons, guys who... Maybe heart and soul, but not really providing a whole lot of offense. So. I think, like, a big thing they've lacked for so long now, it feels like, well, not so long, but let's say the last two, three years, other than Philip Forsberg, who most of the time is out with injuries, they just haven't really had that stud forward, and that's what they hoped to have out of Ryan Johansson. Obviously, he he's just looking a lot more like a supplementary piece to a stud, like a Philip Forsberg, right? And... Who knows, maybe this Michael Granlund trade is going to blow this up, but I don't see it being that notable. Um, I do like I like Michael Granlund a lot, but I don't think he's a superstar. I don't think he's um, going to change the culture, uh, on the, the on-ice culture of a team, and I don't think that's happening with either Brian Boyle or Wayne Simmons. I think five years ago, Wayne Simmons would have been that guy, but, um, you know... You know, Wayne Simmons is still only 30 years old. Uh, yes, but he's not producing nearly as much I agree. as he used to be. I agree. I totally agree. He plays a physical style, and that does tend to wear on players where they don't have as much longevity as a maybe more of a skill player. Yeah. Um, I would love to, like, I would love to see Nashville. I would love to see those guys succeed in Nashville. Oh, for sure. And I'm like, you know what, like, yeah, like, 
maybe they're looking around the league thinking that they got some better assets, but it's hard. Like, I would be... I actually think Nashville, I'm like, you know what? Coming out of the deadline, like, Granlin and Simmons, you know what? I think we'd be, we'll be surprised in playoffs when all of a sudden Wayne Simmons is going at, like, a, a point-per-game clip and, like, inject a little new juice. It could go really bad. It could go really good. And, hmm. yeah, we'll see. I'm not, I'm not hating on them at all. That pretty much wraps up our uh, trade deadline episode. Bailey Robin alongside Tyler Jones and special guest Derek Kirchner. Best Coast Express NHL podcast. Thanks for listening in. Stay tuned. For-